0: This is Jan Cox talk number two thousand five hundred thirty seven. Recorded june 12, two thousand. I thought somebody I should throw the switch on me sometime and just <laughs> old Sparky <laughs> Why not? Uh, how about a couple of things that to start off with. That happened to come to my sorry attention from the routine world. As you may know, in the last few days, it's been on the news, as happens every several years, a world leader, president of a country on the other side of the world, died. And they've been giving extensive coverage. And their people, that's a different culture, different language, the other side of the world, and their people, the streets are full of people in hysterics. Half the people that they show are holding the other half and people are just collapsing and they're screaming and they're moaning and as always happens under these conditions, the man, from our view, well, from most of the world's view, was a, uh, it was a tyrannical government. He was an autocrat, no opposing political parties, one of the holdovers of that past era but he was still an iron man and known to engage in supporting terrorism so he died and here's the people and as happens they get in western reporters and they will interview people now this is in case any of you have any doubt as to the supremacy of animalistic physical emotion over the intellect over the part of the brain that thinks I have heard in the past, and I'm sure they are doing it this time uh several things one is they'll have commentators from the west uh making observations about what's going on, and then they will interview the people in the street. The interviews of the people in the street they will they will come up to somebody that's just you know, throwing their head around and going ah, ah, and just literally wringing their hands and maybe beating their chest and screaming, and people all around waving. You know, placards with a guy's face on it. And a reporter will get to somebody and say, uh, you know uh, get to this. They'll say, Well, how is it that you people are that you are so upset about this when by all reports, from do you under, do you know that from the view of the rest of the world, this man was an absolute tyrant. He was considered an outcast by the rest of the civilized world. And you people lived under him for twenty years. And the person would just look at you blank. Look at the reporter. Look at the camera. Like, are you an idiot? It just it does not seem to compute. And what, well, I was going to say the other part, and then I've heard commentators attempting to <laughs> wax philosophical. Try and note that, well, this is a different culture. That's you know, hard for us to understand. As though that was, you know, some sort of insight or explain something. There it is. Now, there's no doubt it's a different culture and all that. Different language, different religious uh, setting. Well, different culture. That normally covers it. So if you find that to be an excuse, if you find it to be an explanation, or if you think, well, they're just backward people. There are people there with Western clothes on, well, ordinary clothes. They're wearing jeans, Nikes. They're out in the street. They're middle class for for their part of the world. So, you know... You miss it if you say, well, they're way behind the times. There's very few people behind the times, so to speak, anymore on this planet. That is, everyone knows what else is going on. The people are not living in some isolation. They may be living under a tyrant, but everybody gets CNN nowadays. Everybody gets Western television. So the point is, they're middle class, probably educated as well as most of the current crop of public school graduates here in America. But there they are, literally weeping and moaning and screaming over a dead man, and I use this because it is uh, out of the ordinary for our part of the world, but we do we engage in the same thing. movie star can die uh, we again, they will attribute to their culture and that serve at any rate, you don't normally see hundreds of thousands of people out in the street, street moaning and fainting and having to be carried away but uh. You know, an ex-president's nephew can get killed. And people go around to his apartment for weeks, for months later, and they'll show it. It's become a shrine, as they call it. People leaving mementos. And people staying there in silent prayer, crying. That's just for anybody. And as you should know, I do not bring this up for any purpose to criticize in any way the outside world. But what gets people like us? Is we still believe in the supremacy of consciousness. We don't talk about it in those terms, that's why I'm talking about it. But you're an idiot to believe that. Because you your streets internally, just look down below the brainstem, look down in the, the general, just the downtown Damascus, downtown Nairobi. Downtown Moscow. And you have got the streets full of weeping men and women going, being driven by the same animalistic forces that drive baboon packs, wolf packs, collections of humans, and civilized society. It would appear by any intelligent description that the sign of intelligence would be a man who is thoughtful, a man when he is questioned, a man when he is verbally accused, assaulted, insulted. But the sign of intelligence, the sign of civility, but a particular intelligence is for a man to reflect upon what he's going to for a man to hesitate. Sometimes they'll do it in plays and movies. It's understood. And I've seen people normally called being pretentious, but people who are trying to appear to be insightful and reflective. You can see them give purposefully. You can see them thinking about giving a purposeful pause. Like when they're asked a question, they go, hmm. It's a sign, anywhere on this planet, by any ordinary definition, it's a sign, a show of intelligence. I'm going to start getting into this more and more, in case you don't like it thus thus far. Does anybody understand that there is a view? Well, let me add this. And plus, to people like us, from one view, it's even more so. that's the whole point, is it not, to being mindful To be vigilant, to be watchful of your own consciousness. I say to you that there's another view that that is moronic, it's a dream, it's foolishness. Because it is eventually your animalistic physical emotions that are going to answer, they're going to respond. Why, dilly dally! Why fuck around like, well, I'll think about this and I'll be deliberate and measured in my response. Because to people like us, it's not just a matter of being more intelligent or appearing insightful. It is right at the core of struggling to be more conscious, to be enlightened. Is it not? Maybe not. It could be. Oh, yeah, it could be. But if it could be, then it could just as well not be. I ask you again, for those of you who don't know it, and even if you're not interested, I'm trying to make you interested. Why, in one area of the world, has there been, well, Zen? And there's some in Sufism, but at any rate, why has there been this idea that spontaneity is the secret? Or, put other ways, that spontaneity is the sign of a truly enlightened man, etc. And on the surface it's got to be metaphorical, right? Or I guess maybe you might make it out and say, well, if somebody was truly enlightened, way beyond my experience. I guess someone could be so enlightened, so close to being godlike themselves, that they instantly know the answer to everything. They they're just their internal their consciousness surveys all the universe so that anything that's said to them, any question, any comment, if they're going to respond, they don't have to think. It's like all their, they're so far above us that all their intelligence, all the needed insight is right at the tip of their tongue and brain and consciousness so that they can just immediately respond. Maybe yes, maybe no. What if it's not all that complicated? What is there to reflect about? Now, at least anybody thinks that, I was going to say, at least you think that I've completely lost my mind. And then I thought, well, you wait to have a long time to worry about that. <laughs> just in case you think that something is terribly messed, that I'm talking just the opposite. Yeah, it's just the opposite. As close as you can come. But I have, you know, for the last two nights, I have more or less ended up each night asking you to consider the fact. That if you look at it in a certain way, I don't know how anyone could deny that the primary purpose of consciousness is to be conscious of your environment, of the world outside of you. That's what consciousness, that's what's going on in your brain. Even daydreams, even that that seems to be random and meaningless is slightly touched with it. But I I can't see how any of you can fail just to grasp on your own. It's nothing to discuss or to argue about and we can't go out and nothing to prove. But consciousness, the brain, being what we call conscious, that all kinds of uh, the brains of other creatures, they've done enough testing, they know all that, their brains are also involved with a kind of central processing of the information. But our brains, are just on this planet, as far as we know, has reached the height of it that consciousness is a CPU. But of what? What's the purpose? What's the purpose of the senses? What's the purpose in hearing? For hearing to hear hearing? I don't think so. What's the purpose in sight? For sight to see sight? That is, for sight to see itself. For the ears to hear themselves. is for the ears to hear stuff that's outside themselves. For the skin to feel of stuff, touch stuff, that's outside of itself. Consciousness from one quite genuine view, I don't know how anyone can dispute it, that consciousness must have as its primary, obviously its primary purpose, perhaps its sole purpose, is a higher level of monitoring and being able to remember in what we call an abstract way is the only way I know to put it, that we can remember, that's one thing our brains can do by having language. but. Its primary purpose, without like any doubt, is to be conscious of the outside world. That's what the senses. The senses are not there to be conscious and aware of themselves. The senses are not there to be sensitive to themselves. They're there to be sensitive of the world outside of you to help keep you alive. And all consciousness does, from one view, all it is, all it should do, all that seems constructed to do, is to make is a higher level of co-mingling of the information, sorting the information, being able to retrieve in its memory information that's physically not available. As far as I can tell, other animals don't really remember anything unless they have a physical reason. Even though they've been through an experience, they have to be physically faced with that same condition. Maybe if a dog's been burned once or twice, he sees fire and he'll back away. But see, a human doesn't have to see fire. We've got language And you already know not to touch fire. And you're about to walk around the corner of a cave to another guy's cave. And somebody says, hey, don't go over there. His cave's on fire. You don't have to go see it. You stop already. Somebody says, don't go down there. That water hole, there's been some tigers hanging out there all day. I saw them. You know what that means. And so your brain saved you, perhaps. You didn't have to go down there and see a tiger to stay away from it. Somebody told you tigers are hanging around that water hole where we go. Don't go down there. There is a view from which, I ask you again, what possible purpose is being served by being conscious of your internal world? Now, I know what the answer should be for people like us. Well, it's to awaken. Really? Are you sure? Now, don't hesitate just because you've spent most of your life, you know, no time to weaken now. (laughs) there's no time to refuse to admit another possibility because I'm ashamed of all of you that no matter what you believe to be absolutely certain that if you still don't understand anything that you just know to be absolutely certain you have got to remember this or we've wasted all of our time that the opposite can be true I don't care what it is it can certainly be so. But I ask you to look in on yourself. I think I'll just maybe leave that tonight. My impression is I should do little doses of this at a time. I could be wrong. No, I couldn't. How can you be wrong when you're making up something? That's like somebody telling a story. You can tell they're making it up. Well, that reminds me of that time. Let's see, I was down. where were, I was... Uh, See I was down in Miami and I just picked up this real nice looking yeah, it was big tall it was a, yeah, it was this tall blind girl and I went down. And you can tell you he's making it up. And you can say, Oh shit. That guy never went through all that and he got in a gun battle with some dope runners and you know, you think ah he's making you know, that's not true. Sure it is. How can it not be true? He made it up. Which brings back another one from the ordinary world. It's nothing new, but I just happened to see a brand new one, a brand new version of it. It was a book review. Just The opening sentence jumped out at me, it was some metaphysical magazine. And it was quoting from the book, and uh, like the preface to the book, I think. It started out with a quote. The author of the book was saying, well, maybe it was a reviewer, it doesn't matter, but he was saying, uh, Well, this book, then, this book will take the interested student by the hand and lead them more safely into the depths and complexity of the Kabbalah or Sufism or Zen. And it sounds so fine. But as though there is such a thing as Zen or Kabbalistic studies, or Sufism, there's this thing here and it's very deep. It's very complex. And a novice needs the help of an experienced person to lead them through the complexities, to help them plumb the depths. What fucking depths? Humans made it up. A human mind made the whole damn thing up and now another human mind Is speaking to other human minds saying, Come, my only desire is to help you because I understand how complex this is. The author obviously was presenting himself as an expert on the Kabbalah and knowing how made some reference to, you know, that the tree of life, that damn diagram, is even more complex than they thought it was 200 years ago, that now even more, (laughs) and they found even more. You know, drawing scratched in the sand somewhere outside of Beirut, that it's even more complex, so that you beginners even need more help. <laughs> really? And yet you know that's the way we all start out. Sad to say, that's the way most <laughs> mystics take their last breath. Still with that idea that if I had just a little bit longer to study, But you know that there are people that go, give up their life, or large segments of their life, and they go into uh, monasteries in Tibet. Uh, Judaism's full of it, of people, they're confronted with the Buddhist texts in Tibet, with the endless commentaries upon commentaries upon commentaries on the Torah, just over and over, and they're going to spend. Now, they're they're told about it, they're warned, this is going to take a good 20 years, my son. You're going to have to apply yourself. We'll help you all we can, but you're going to have to read like 10 hours a day. And then we'll, we'll talk to you on the weekends, we'll talk to you at night, we'll help you get through it. But if you're ever going to be, if you're ever going to reach the goal, achieve enlightenment, achieve union with God, wake up to what's going on, you're talking about a good 20 years of just reading. Of just studying. Yes, I'm prepared. It's a nice hobby, but prepared to do what? That is no more going to wake up a man, as they want to call it, as I still say, repeat or achieve enlightenment. You can go in the bathroom and close the door and instantly. Do it. It's easy to say and hard to do, though, isn't it? But to study. Well, the beginning of all this kind of effort, somewhere or the other, is this sort of line. I'm sure I'm taking this from some book somewhere. Or condensation. Is it wet? <laughs> Drippy. <laughs> of much of that kind of literature. It says, whatever it is, whatever system, it says the purpose of my book, or the purpose in studying Zen, Sufism, Buddhism, the purpose in studying this, studying my system, the guy might say, my interpretation of Zen, the purpose is to turn your mind away from the physical world and enter the inner one. Serves no purpose. Again, I'm not being sarcastic because that is where every damn one of us started. You can't start. That's Nobody really has to tell you that. But as soon as you hear it, you you just know, well, that's true. Because you'd already been trying to, if you're my archetypical mystic, you've already been trying to, you've already engaged in some of the religious ritualistic practices available to you. You've already looked externally. You've already decided that being a football hero, being a scholastic hero, being thinner, being bigger, being better looking, you've decided somewhere along the way that uh, that's not really it. That what you're looking for is an inner journey. And so then when you read a book or when you read someone say, uh, the great beauty, the prophet of Zen, studying Zen or Sufism or yoga. Is that the study will turn your mind away from the physical world and on to your inner one. I'm telling you, it could be just the opposite. Why couldn't it be? It's to turn your attention, to turn your mind totally away from your inner world and totally on the physical world. I'm not playing games. If you think that won't work, you're wrong. I'll put it to you that way. I was hoping that maybe it get some of you going better than things I've said before that I never did. I was never satisfied with But me saying that rather than the idea that if you could be eternally mindful, you would certainly soon wake up. No doubt about it. You would, you would soon cease to sleep. But then I would also, you know, I've pointed out in the past... That if you could be totally unmindful, it has got to be as totally unmindful as it would be to be totally mindful. Or so the idea that if I could remember myself constantly, I would be enlightened. Okay. But if you could forget yourself constantly. You now, that doesn't sound right. Or I've never thought that any of you seem to ever get much out of it. Because verbally it doesn't even sound right to me, even though I know what I'm talking about. It's just sort of an attention catcher, I guess, the first time. But I'm telling you, there's a way to look at your own consciousness, or I challenge you to, your own mind. And what you're doing is ask yourself, what is it fit for turned internally? Now, you think you've already got the answer. I would have thought I had if somebody told me this years ago. I would have thought, well, you know, you're crazy. Whoever would have told me that, because I'd say, well, the whole purpose of me turning my mind inward is not mere self-reflection or worrying about you know, some little pity-ass neurotic daydreams I may have. My whole purpose is to keep an eye on my own mind, to be aware of my own thinking at all times. Because I'm sure that's the way to get free of what's bothering me. And if somebody said, no. Nah, or if somebody said, well, you look at what's going on. Try it a while and look at what's going on. And then tell me, tell yourself... What are you accomplishing? Are you actually doing anything? That's a hard one. To ask the mind, are you doing anything? Because you can ask the mind that, and the mind goes, and it starts to take, you know, it takes on that question, and so immediately it's doing something. Well, if you confront even that question enough, you can't stay asleep, you can't stay muttering to yourself. You can't do it. It may put you into that kind of shock of a thermostat that won't turn on or off. It may shake your machine, and it's hard to hold on to that for more than a few brief moments. It's not only to ask yourself, turning my mind internally on myself, on my thoughts, on my mind, turning that on. As much fun as I've had, blah, blah, blah. Not only the question, not only what have I accomplished, But here's the real one. When I do that, am I actually, quote, doing anything? And if you don't watch it, you go, well, hell yeah, I am. I know I am. I can feel it. I know the frustration when I don't do it. And I know, you know, the effort it takes. Are you sure? What if? Just what if the possibility that not only is the primary purpose, the purpose, but... The primary purpose of us being able to think, of our brain having consciousness, as we call it, that the purpose is the primary purpose is for that area of the brain, that function of the brain, to be conscious, to be aware of the world outside of us. It is like a super sense. It is like a super processing center for all of these senses. System's taking in. Not only. Here's what I'm challenging with. Not only look at, and say, can you can you deny it? that? It's got to be the primary purpose. Then look at what you do internally. When you turn it internally, as we call it, trying to be mindful, observing, self remembering. When you turn it internally, are you sure that you're actually doing anything? Forget doing anything profitable. Are you sure that anything's happening? If you're sure you're an idiot, by the way, no offense, but... What <laughs> can that be? Well, if it couldn't be, how could I have said it? All right, I'll speak up for an ordinary mind and say, well, that doesn't prove anything. Well, yes, it does. <laughs> Well, of course, no, it doesn't, but I got another one from Ordinary Life, whether you're aware of this or not. If you have, uh, this, this is not uncommon at all. If you had uh, some sort of medical treatment, say some surgery, and afterwards, you go back to the surgeon, go to the doctor, I try the treatment, and you mentioned to him you complain of side effects and it turns out you can look at him turns out that he has never heard of this there's no literature on it It's beyond his experience and you might ask well uh... is this common uh, uh, well well uh, uh, have you ever heard of this happening before uh, and again i repeat you're not picking on doctors that's not the point but Commonly, you know what the output, the end result of all this will be? Can anybody guess? Is in a, in a way, I assume you'll hear me. He'll end up blaming the patient. Now, such as this happens, and I could make up the same kind of situation with taking in your automobile and a mechanic. But uh, I have my reasons for doing it, picking out medicine in the human body one thing, the doctor didn't put the body together like a human put an automobile together. And in one sense, anything that goes wrong with an automobile engine or an automobile can be diagnosed. But things happen in the human body because of the interconnectedness and the complexity of everything. That there's simply things that cannot be diagnosed at the moment. There are things that cannot be foreseen. In fact, there are truckloads of them. But... But to go in after you've had some sort of surgery and say, well, uh, such and such happened. and You didn't mention that. The doctor goes, well, um, uh. you go, is that common? Uh, uh. If you press on, like, well, I'm just trying to find. They, he will end up blaming you. Do you understand? I'm not going to drag this out any further and make up the conversation. But he will end up blaming the patient for him being faced with. Side effects, symptoms. Now, see, it'd be one thing if you just walked in cold off the street and described a symptom he'd never heard of. He still might try to fake it a little bit or say, well, let me, I'm going to have to look into that or let me call a friend of mine. But if it seems to be a result, and you say, well, since you've been starting this, you've been giving me such and such treatment, uh, something else has happened. And it seems to be a direct cause as far as I can tell because that is when he'll end up wanting to blame you. At any rate, I assume all of you some way can get a grasp on that. Now I say to you that that is not unlike a mystic's attitude toward himself trying to make himself wake up. All those things unexpected that keeps popping up. He ends up blaming the patient. Does anybody get it? And does anybody realize that something Something is un-hypocritical. They still have the hypocrites oath, don't they? Oh, wait a minute. No, that's attorneys. Hippocratic. Yeah, that's it. Now I mentioned somebody acting pretentious? All this on the same subject, by the way, tonight. Just because I... We all know what the accusation that someone's being pretentious means. We all know what it means. All the same six billion people on this planet know what that means. And you believe without any doubt. You never question it. That, and you can be standing there with someone you know, someone else. And you can see another human. Uh, there's plenty of terms that they say, well, he, he has just tried to invent himself. That somebody can say, well, ju- just look at him the way the poses the way he talks, I am to know that uh, he was born in a trailer park. I am to know his family was illiterate. I am to know that uh, he didn't finish high school, and in some way he got into community college. and uh, He hit the lottery, or somebody left him some money. Anyway, he's been a social climber. I know the guy. And if you don't know him, you can see it. We all call it. It's known as, it's just a, a pretense it may be a fairly good job or it may not be it may be some people do it more transparently than others but we all know what it means that this guy and i have no doubt that to varying degrees all of you have done it to some degree that you tried to invent yourself it's taken to be uh, fairly normal and healthy up to a degree uh from a western well from most views i guess but psychologically from a western psychological view than in your teenage years, but that's—I know the psychologists and sociologists of the ordinary stripe try to say that that's part of hero worship, or boys collecting baseball cards and of girls swooning over movie stars, actresses, female vocalists—is people trying to find out, trying to discover themselves. Blah blah blah. But let's get past that. In the guys that, and women, but it's more. Well, could be the one. That are their teen years, and you still see sometimes it's equated with social climbing. But anyway, the point is you see a guy and either you knew him or else you've just seen him now and you can see. And somebody say, Do you realize that guy is nothing like he's pretending? I mean the clothes don't fit right, the way he speaks, his vocabulary, it's stilted. It's that's a facade. That guy has more or less made himself up. And I don't mean for some nefarious purpose, like a con man, that he has just made himself up. He was dissatisfied. And as I said, it's it's generally equated with social climbing, someone trying to change their position in life. Anyway, we all know what it is. I'm getting to the point. We all know what it means. If I ask you, do you know what it means to say, well, God, that guy is just one big pretense. I mean, the, the persona he presents, from his clothing to his conversation to his manners... Uh, The history he gives out about himself. I never checked it, but you can just listen to it. You know it's just just bullshit. This is all a pretense. And we'll all know what you mean. The other guy, and you go, yeah, it is. How can somebody pretend to be what they're not? Now watch it. Because you can say, well, they just can. Don't be an idiot. What is there in a person... If you can get a good dancing grip on that one and spin around the floor for a few minutes, it'll blow you away. It'll give you another, or it should get you closer to looking over the edge and realize what's going on. And yet, we I'm telling you, six million people on this planet would all agree they know what it means if somebody points to another human and goes, he has literally invented himself. You know, for good or bad, or he's pulling it off. Fairly well, or not so well, but the point is, that is all pretense. He has affected—they used to call it that—I don't know whether you knew the term—that he 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 is just totally affected, just everything about him is a sham. How can that be? I can talk about it another twenty or thirty minutes, but that's it. Can you see it for yourself? Can you ask? and it can it strike your brain somewhere? That you think that yeah, that's I know what that means, sure. It's insanity. Well, as we call it, it's being asleep to believe that. And if you believe in somebody else, you believe it about you, and you're you're distracted. How can somebody pretend to be something else? What is there in somebody? But yet I go back again. Let's say that you even knew him. You go, wait a minute, I grew up with that guy. He's calling himself William Robinson now instead of Billy like we did. But I I grew up. I went through most of high school. I know that guy. I know his background. I'm not going to bore you, but that is not him. And it's not like that he in some way suddenly came into IQ brain cells and got a full scholarship to Harvard became Phi Beta and fit in. And now as somebody, this is all a facade and a sorry one at that. And people staying around that's never met him, that you point out they see through it, and they go, yeah, I know what you mean. The whole thing is idiocy. You mean that old Billy Robinson, that you knew, that he's inside there. Which is foolish enough to start with. You've got to be asleep to still be buying that story. But Billy Robinson is inside there, and he didn't like what Billy Robinson was. Trailer park, bad jeans, bad hair, big ears, bad dialect, whatever it is. He didn't like Billy Robinson, and so he has willfully, whether he's done a very good job or not, he has willfully and intentionally made up this William T. Robinson. He's made it up, and there's no William Robinson in there. It's old Billy. He just made up this stuff. If you can believe that, you'll sleep the rest of your life. And yet, you know what I'm saying? You hear it. If I hadn't gone into this, you hear it, and you go, yeah, I know what you mean. You do? That there's some guy or some woman, and a woman, that didn't like what she was. Now, we should stop there, and I'll have a good either laugh or meditate on a while. She didn't like who she was. Now that's funny enough to start with. How can you not like what you are? And yet people say, well, I don't, and they don't understand, but that's what you are. You're the kind of person that doesn't like what you are. That's it. There's nowhere else to go. And to say, well, he just made himself up. Well, maybe so, but that's the kind of person he is. But that's all pretense. Yeah. But to believe that there's a Billy Robinson in there who's now made up this William Robinson... And it's just the shaky thing. He just made it up, and there's no real William Robinson in there, only Billy. <laughs> See, the point is, how can you awaken unless there's two of you in there? <laughs> how can we be other than we are unless we can be other than we are? And if you can be other than you are, I want to talk to you either about, you know, flying on your back to Europe. I guess that'd be about as good as any. <laughs> Safe plane fare. <laughs> it's amazing. And you understand, I'm not doing this to pick on you. You're I pick on me. I don't even pick on me. It's just amazing that the way the nervous system <clears throat> and the brain operates, that the very things, and the rest of the world is not crazy. I used to, some of you know, even since you know me, years ago, I had a, Anyway, I had a lower opinion of life. I had a higher opinion of my calling, of us few mystics. And, of course, you realize what's going on, you don't have a higher or lower opinion of anything. But the world is not crazy because you know, I can't. there's no way I can disprove. There's no way I can make ordinary people realize something was wrong with the idea that someone has... That someone's public persona—the one they present to us—is a total, totally affected, invented facade. That the whole world goes, "Yeah, I know people like that," and I go, "That can't be." And so I'm not picking on them because I understand it, because I can feel it. I know my nervous system, because I know exactly what they mean, and I can sit here and almost flip back and forth, knowing well, that can't be true, because I know it is. But there it is. It's not that the rest of the world is asleep. It's the way that we're constructed. And I'm suggesting to you that one of the problems might be of us trying to do something with a consciousness, with a mind that it was not intended to do. And I don't mean just this idea, well, I guess God or somebody wanted everybody to operate at this low level of consciousness, and a few of us have slipped through the cracks, or we got some sort of superior, maybe advanced, Mutant genes. You know, I used to come up with stories like that. I used to consider that with some seriousness. That could be true. Doesn't ma- doesn't ma- mean anything. But it's not pragmatically beneficial. Even if it were true, there's nothing to do with it because you're still whatever the hell you are. But if you consider that the very thing that you might should be doing is turning your consciousness. Away, turning your mind away from the inner world and to the physical world. Just the opposite of what would seem to be the basis. And properly so, with the basis of every mystical system, every approach to changing your state of consciousness, to seeking enlightenment, the great liberation, it's all based on one thing, that you've got to find some discipline, some study, some school, some way to turn your attention away from the physical world Where everybody else's is, the other six billion people, that's true, and we're not ordinary. No, I'm not. I'm a mystic, whatever that is. I want enlightenment, and they don't. So the basis of all of it is you have got to find some way. Take up a study of this system, because the purpose is to turn your mind away from the physical world. Of course, when you start, it's a bit more of a negative denunciation when you say the physical world. (laughs) Turn your mind away from the physical world. And, and to your inner one. I know of no other way that anybody could get started. I know of no way around that. But I ask you to consider now. Not only the question of, is that profitable to do it? I'm saying, are you actually doing anything when you think you're doing that? Why is it so hard, for instance, to self-remember? Why is it so hard to be mindful? Now, the obvious answer would be, domestic says, well, I'm inexperienced. I'm working. <laughs> I don't try hard enough. Okay. So that's the kind of guy you are? You go, yeah, but I'm trying to change. No, 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 you missed it. You're the kind of guy that's like that. And who says that? Not only, my question, is it profitable turning your attention inwardly? Are you sure that you're actually doing anything? If you try it right now, and you can go, well, yeah, I know I do. I'll come on. Does anybody know it keeps popping up? Somebody came up with it again. That every now and then, some respected, at least it has a, it gets printed somewhere that I read about and has a degree, postgraduate degree in cosmology. But the idea keeps popping up every now and then. And it's back again, I notice. this. Uh, I'm not going into details. I I grasp some of their... The mathematics, anyway, that the universe is not the size that everyone is proposing it is that we could be seeing, because of the way the universe could be constructed, and not in a in a spatially expanded way that we consider space. To be. anyway, when we look out and seeing these distant galaxies and distant parts of the universe, we could be seeing the reflection of our own part of the solar or our own part of the universe. That the universe could be a lot smaller. Anyway, the point is, some of what we're looking at that's so far away, you can't get radio waves to it. You can't really. You know the way that they have to measure it by the red shift and other mathematical triangulations of some sort trying to speculate that, well, that solar system, that galaxy, we're estimating is uh, 10 billion light or ten billion light years away. Uh, There's I like it because it's the kind of thing I would have come up with theoretically anyway, but there are guys who scientifically, so to speak, claim that there is a distinct possibility, that it is distinctly mathematically possible the universe is a lot smaller than we think. Could be a lot, lot smaller. And that part of what we're seeing is reflections of ourselves because we don't know how. Anyway, that's not the reason. But anyway, that we could be seeing reflections of our own part of the universe just bounce back at us because of the way that the universe is constructed, not just in four dimensions, and could be like a house of mirrors, it could be like mirrors out there. Does anybody know why I like that? I'm not all like that carried away with it. Interest in cosmology. I was just talking about it. <laughs> I've been observing myself. Is that so? Well, you're observing yourself, or are you, <laughs> are you seeing you observing you? Were you seeing you saying that you were observing you? Is the real one. Hmm? Until I see you Wednesday, try being eternally unmindful. That is. Unmindful of you. What if we're actually trying to do? You know, so I'm talking to a broad sense, I say, what if? People like us. That what you're trying to do, the whole idea, the, every approach known, and I know them all because I've added to them. I've added to the canons the kinds of ways to try and make yourself eternally visual, to make yourself conscious of consciousness, Mindful of your own mind, thoughtful of your own thinking. What if the difficulty in doing it is that it can't be done? That consciousness was not intended to do that. Well, there's no doubt what consciousness is really good at is turning on the external world. And yet the more you get involved in doing stuff like this, the more inclined you are is not to do that at your own peril. Well, I was thinking about something important. I'm sure you were. I was thinking of something very important just before I ran off the bridge and killed myself. I was thinking about something that I'd read one time that Buddha said about driving real fast, and next thing I know, I'd miss the curve, and here I am dead. If I'd lived just a little bit longer, though, just a few more minutes. Oh, <laughs> well, I thought it was funny. Don't forget, blame the patient. How dare you have symptoms like this? I've never heard of such thing. Now, what I did wouldn't cause that. I've never heard of that. Well, that's all I'm asking. you ever heard of it? Well, no, I hadn't heard of it. I would I'd have mentioned it. And you can see him, you know, looking up real fast in his brain trying to figure out, have I ever read anything like this? Have I ever heard of anything? No, I don't know. I don't. No, I never heard of it. Blame the patient, damn it. Whose fault is it that you're not awake? Now we're getting somewhere, right? (laughs) Get a bedpan and go lay down. That concludes this talk. Be sure to visit us at JanCox.com where you can search through 3,000 talks for topics of interest or just leave us a message.